Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hello there, welcome back. Three years after the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, this week's Panorama will focus on public health as the European Commission presents its new global health strategy. In much of Europe, the epidemic seems to be under control and COVID-19 is no longer being considered a public health emergency. In Spain, although masks are still mandatory on public transport, the issue is no longer widely discussed in political circles, says Esradio Castilla y León. There, daily case numbers are just a quarter of what they were this time last year and represent only a tiny fraction of the figures seen during the January 2022 peak. Romania's health minister, Alexandru Rafila, confirms that this is also the case in his neck of the woods. Yet he underlines, in his interview with Radio Romania, that any infection can be unpredictable, so continues to recommend that vulnerable people get vaccinated, particularly since a new Covid jab adapted to combat the Omicron variants will soon be available in Romania. We should have the vaccine adapted for the BA4 and the BA5 variants by the end of the month. It's the first time we're going to use an adapted vaccine, and I will get this fourth jab myself, just as I got the flu vaccine to protect myself. In the future, we may even have a seasonal COVID vaccine like we have for flu, but this would bear no relation to the dramatic situation in 2021 when more than 26,000 people died in the fourth wave. So while the outlook is positive, the European Commission wants to be better equipped for the future. On Wednesday the 30th of November, the Brussels Executive published a new global health strategy based on the principle that health has no borders. The strategy rests on a number of key pillars, including tackling health threats at home and abroad, closer international coordination and broader access to universal health coverage. Explicitly mentioned is the strategy's intention to support and strengthen the World Health Organization's role in ensuring global health security. For its part, the WHO, an institution the Commission considers indispensable, is also calling on countries to step up their efforts to strengthen our collective health security architecture. Ginu Radias asks the WHO's Special Envoy for Europe, Vitenis Andriukaitis, for his take on where we are today. The former EU Health Commissioner responds that, even though Europe is now in a much better position to handle a health crisis than it was three years ago, there is still much work to be done. It is clear that there are shortcomings in the legal framework, huge gaps and a huge lack of coordination measures. Networks of so-called rapid response services should be set up to provide a unified response in all 53 countries of the European region. Building such a network is top of our list right now. We're trying to ensure that every country has a rapid response unit. This unit should be able to cooperate with at least 10 neighbouring countries to manage the development of any potential future pandemic wave. If such a wave is not controlled, it spreads very quickly in this modern globalised world. Andrew Kaitis adds that the biggest challenge right now is Ukraine, where people are living without electricity, water and food 
viruses spread rapidly in these conditions, so Ukraine could easily prove to be a new source of infection. The attention of the European Regional Office is on Ukraine. The regional director himself has been to Ukraine four times. In fact, he's just returned from there. The situation in Ukraine is unspeakably complex, and there is no doubt that any infectious outbreak there would spread to the European Union, since people are moving around, there are millions of refugees. We are well aware of the enormity of this challenge right now. On the same day the Commission unveiled its new health strategy, it also published its first State of Health Preparedness report, which highlights progress made in terms of preparedness and response since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as key lessons learned. Molecular biologist Martin Kadai, a healthcare crisis advisor to Estonia's Chancellor of Justice, believes that European countries really should have been better prepared going into this pandemic. Instead, he says, the bloc reacted in a panic, often taking more extreme measures than previously envisaged. Kadai tells Kuku Radio how vital it is at this juncture to assess whether the unplanned measures taken by member states, such as border closures, were successful or not. Even before the coronavirus pandemic, it was known that pandemics would come, that they were likely. We just didn't know when they would come. Lots of preparations were made and people talked about what was reasonable to do and what was not reasonable to do in such an eventuality. The kind of restrictions we saw, such as the locking down of societies, were not actually envisaged as part of those measures. But yet they came, and they came fast and furious. Now international experts need to decide whether we made poor decisions before the pandemic, poor decisions during the pandemic, or if the truth lies somewhere in between. This debate is badly needed, given that we know the next pandemic is coming. The question is how to act. The Commission's new health strategy takes an interdisciplinary approach and puts an emphasis on addressing the root causes of ill health. This so-called One Health approach aims to balance the health of people, animals and ecosystems. Indeed, it goes without saying that factors that harm the environment are also likely to harm human health. This kind of joined-up thinking is the bedrock on which Bulgaria's Air for Health Association was founded. This network of medical professionals on a public health mission recently sent letters to a number of Bulgarian politicians and public figures. While a spot of letter writing may not sound particularly exciting, what sets these letters apart is that they were written in ink made from dirty air. Each letter contained 45 milligrams of fine dust particles, the same amount of dirt a citizen of Sofia breathes in over five months. Alarmingly, the authors claim that the lungs of an 18-year-old Sofia resident contain enough dust particles to tattoo the first six chapters of War and Peace. BNR has spoken to some of the doctors involved in the headline-grabbing initiative, which aims to show local authorities that solutions exist and, in fact, already form part of the EU's climate strategy. One such doctor is Alexander Simichev, 
This is one idea that we are striving to implement better and better on a national scale, for doctors to become ambassadors of this idea, because air pollution does exist. A lot of people don't see it, of course. Even my fellow doctors don't realize that air pollution causes a quarter of all chronic diseases, heart attacks, strokes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. A quarter, 25%. This is a huge public health problem that we also need to talk about from a medical point of view. The health strategy describes mental health as a rising challenge, but does not delve too deeply. However, the WHO has previously warned that lockdowns impact more heavily on some groups than others, and specifically that young people, women and people with physical health conditions are more likely to develop symptoms of mental health disorders. According to our German member station AMS, Germany has recorded a sharp increase in mental health disorders among adolescents, disorders in which the COVID-19 pandemic is believed to have played a key part. On Monday, the German Ethics Council presented its findings on how society and politicians failed to protect young people during the pandemic, many of whom now suffer from a plethora of mental health conditions, including anxiety, depression, social exclusion and suicidal thoughts. Medical ethicist Alena Buchs, chair of the Ethics Council, tells AMS what must now be done to help these young people. Die Gesellschaft ist Kindern Society owes a great debt to children, adolescents and young adults. Prevention and support services must be expanded, gaps in care must be closed, more therapy places must be created, and we must avoid at all costs making young people bear a heavy burden in current and future social crises. And we must talk to the younger generations and listen to them. In turn, Bishop and ethicist Petra Barr, a fellow member of the Council, highlights research comparing different EU member states' approaches to lockdown. Interestingly, it seems that when it comes to youth mental health, the outcome is the same. This is quite clear when you compare Italy and Sweden, for example, two countries that have taken very different approaches, for example with school closures, but the end result is the same, a roughly equal percentage of mentally ill children, adolescents and young adults. Germany's Ethics Council would like to see more money made available for research in this area. In Brussels, meanwhile, plans are afoot to develop a long-term mental health strategy, as announced by Commission President Ursula von der Leyen in her State of the Union address in September. Thanks for listening. Make sure you come back next week for another look around the Euronet Plus network.